thank you so very much for, um, for not only just being here today, but for the way in which you've been participating in the worship that, that we're enjoying. It's been very encouraging uh, to be here with my family and to be able to, to share this opportunity with you. I know that some of you are visiting with us because you're in town for graduations. Man, we've got uh, so many pictures flooding social media these days with people who are graduating and that's awesome to see. So if that has brought you in, we're so thankful that, that you were here to be with us today and to, to share in this time of, of worship. We are talking about the idea of adulting. I uh, thought it'd be a good time since we've got all of these changes taking place when it comes to our, our families and the transitions that are going on with those who are, you know, moving from, from high school to college or from college out out into the workforce. And so it's been really good over the last few weeks just to, just to talk about all the adult baggage that we carry around because we do. We grow up and we think there's certain ways that we're supposed to act, certain things that we're supposed to do. And oftentimes it makes us really good adults, but really bad children of the king. And so that's why we are spending our time talking about that over the next uh, few weeks. Hey, uh, some housekeeping items for you today. I uh, want you to know that with the ending of the school year, that also means the, the end of our uh, snack packing. Uh, those of you who have been a part of this for the last few years know that uh, as a congregation and as a community, we come together um, and the first Wednesday of each month during the school year, uh, we pack snack packs and we fill those bags with food that is then given to students who the school system has deemed to be food insecure. And it's something now that uh, we have been doing for some time. And it, it's had such an impact with the community here. And just wanted to share with you a few things that uh, those who are part of the ministry uh, wanted me to um, convey. Just a quick thank you to everyone for the money, the time, the prayers, the support that we have received. We have helped four other churches start a program that we, and we still have schools on the waiting list, which means we still have children that are in need of a snack pack. We want you to know that through your generosity and the generosity of the community that we have packed 67,640 bags this year, plus 2,200 Christmas bags. That's right. I think that's a woohoo moment right there. And um, there's just more to come, and we want everybody to be participating, and we want us to give a big shout out to Abby Corbin. Abby, where are you? Where's, where's Abby? Abby, is Abby here? Where are you? Give me a woo if you're here somewhere. There we go, in the back. All right, Abby's in the back. Um, here's why I want, want to give a, a big shout out. Uh, this last week, she gave the Snack Pack Ministry over $1,000 that she raised by challenging her classmates to a coin and change competition, and that money is going to go to help feed children this next year. Thank you, Abby. That is awesome. That is so good. And, and with the school year ending, uh, we don't like to miss opportunities around here to eat. And so we thought, hey, school's ending. Let's have some hamburgers and hot dogs. That's what we're going to do today after our class time. So uh, whether you were expecting that or not, we've got hamburgers and hot dogs that are going to be ready uh, after our Bible study time. We hope that you will stay with us. That'll be in our Family Life Center. And while we're there, we're also going to be celebrating one of our rock stars. We have a lot of rock stars here at East Brainerd. And this last week, one of those rock stars turned 90 years young. And so we are um, so excited about that. Miss Mildred Kelly celebrated her 90th birthday. Yeah. 
So come and have a hot dog and be sure to say hello to Miss Mildred. Uh, she and I share uh, a similar uh, interest uh, in that we share a, uh, our favorite hymn. We, we share a favorite hymn together. And uh, when you turn 90 and you share a favorite hymn of your preacher, we sing it. Okay, that's just kind of how we do things um, around here. So will you join me in singing Miss Mildred Kelly's favorite, Never Grow Old. I have heard of a land on a faraway strand. Tis a beautiful home of the soul. Built by Jesus on high, where we never shall die. Tis a land where we never to worry about adulting anymore. 
We don't have to worry about all the different complications that come with aging. Instead, in your presence, we can again be young and be like little children. Our entire focus will be on you. We will climb up into your lap and rest for eternity. May that day come soon. In the name of Christ, we ask. Amen. You know, I don't know how Miss Mildred has done it because growing up is stressful. I'm only halfway to hers. I'm 45. I'm only halfway there, Miss Mildred, but growing up has been stressful because the older that I have gotten, the more responsibilities that I've had to deal with. And the older that I've gotten, the more commitments. And, and all of these things just keep on piling up. And then suddenly I turn around and wonder, when did things get so complicated? Do you guys remember when relationships were easy? All you had to do was just write, will you go with me? Check yes, no, or maybe. I mean, that was it. That's all you had to do. And then all of a sudden you grew up and, and all of these nonverbal signals started to creep into your life. And you started saying, what did she mean by that? Why did he say that? What is that? Don't give me that look. I know what that means. And everything just begins to change. Why can't it be simple again? And decisions are no longer just straightforward yes and no, but in, instead we're plagued with all of the different consequences and well, if I do this, what's going to happen? And, and if I go there, and if I take this job, and, and if, I, if I don't go on this interview, you know, even obedience to God gets more difficult and complex as we get older. Because we feel as if we have to weigh out ethical and moral issues. And we examine every choice for every possible angle before we actually move forward. And the more and more complicated that life becomes, the more and more cluttered life becomes. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. You know, everybody knows how, how clutter works, if you've ever had to move, right? Our family is in the, the midst of that. We're in the process of moving from Flintstone to East Brainerd. And so we're going through and having to, to, to purge. And, and it's amazing the things, that, the things that you find that you're like, why do I have this, right? You, you remember how that kind of went with you or going through the moving process? We, we've been at the house uh, now almost 14 years. It's amazing the stuff that, that, you, that you find, just like um, duct tape. Now, duct tape is great. But I don't know if you need purple and green and silver and another, another green. And I got white too. So I've got all kinds of colors of, of duct tape. Don't really know why. And I found VHS tapes <laughs> that I have saved. Hoping perhaps that VCRs will come back in style. And all of a sudden, we'll decide, yeah, you know, hey, it was great to be able to, to stick that in and, and have it get eaten. And that would be, that'd be awesome. Let's do it some more. But, but I found VHS tapes. And then how many of you guys just keep old license tags? Do you do that? I mean, is this for when my children steal their first car? You know, I can, <laughs> I can go and say, hey, don't worry. Just put this tag on there. It'll all be fine. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Um, and and this, this was kind of weird. Um, this is, it says, I had to look on here to remind myself, a floppy drive? This is a, this is a floppy drive? Whoops. And um, so I guess if, if that ever comes back in style, I'll, um, I'll, I'll be ready. And how many of you, when you go into your laundry room, you find bags of pecans? Anybody do that? Is, is, that, just, is that just at the Barnett house where, where, where these things are just... You know, I don't know. I mean, why was that in the laundry room? I understand sometimes you find things in the washer, but I mean, that's a lot of pecans, right? So, so I don't know. But, um, but, but this next one, this is the gem of, of, of the finds so far. This is an unopened Dolly Parton action figure. It is. It's still, it's still in the box, and um, it, it's a 12-inch posable dolly, it says. And um, if you wonder, it's like, why would somebody keep this? That's what the kids asked Tanya, and she was like, well, you're going to have to go ask your dad. And um, I said, uh, I mean, this is going to pay for their college right here. This, this, along with the pecans, I think I can put them through, I can put them through, but... I mean, you guys know how that works, right? You, you just turn around and all of a sudden you've got all this clutter that's there in your home. And you're like, where in the world did all this come from? And, and think about our lives. Think about how when things start to get complicated in life, how the clutter just seems to, to get more and more. You see, the result of complexity in our life, when, when, when we don't know where to go, when we're having a hard time to focus, when, when it just seems like... There's just more and more things that are mounting up. The result of that complexity is a cluttered heart. And a cluttered heart just lives at a hurried pace because when your heart's cluttered, you can't slow down and smell the roses. You just have to constantly keep going from agenda to agenda and from meeting to meeting. A cluttered heart is only capable of superficial engagement because no real relationships or depth can be formed. You just, you just don't have time. And there are too many competitors for the limited resources that a single heart has. And a cluttered heart also suffers from lack of focus. Complexity demands our attention. And our attention and focus be constantly divided. And because of that, nothing gets our care and attention. Because we're always just jumping from one thing to another. And worst of all, a cluttered heart just ends up squeezing out love because you just don't have time for it. You don't have room and you can't focus on it. Richard Foster, in his book, The Freedom of Simplicity, writes, Like Jack's beanstalk, our obligations seem to grow overnight. We are trapped in a rat race, not just at trying to acquire money, but also of meeting family and business obligations. We pant through an endless series of appointments and duties, and this problem is especially acute for those who sincerely want to do what is right. With frantic fidelity. We respond to all the calls of service, distressingly unable to distinguish between the voice of Christ and that of all the human manipulators. He says, but we don't need to be left frustrated and exhausted by the demands of life. The Christian grace of simplicity can usher us into the center of unhurried peace and power. Think about that just for a minute. The center 
of unhurried peace and power. Wouldn't that be a great place to adult? Wouldn't that be a great place to live? Imagine what it would be like to live with an uncluttered heart. Imagine what it would be like not to have a divided focus. Imagine being able to return to the basic truth of loving God with all that you are and having that love then overflow out of you and you being able to love your neighbor. We try to imagine it, but then we understand something. No one is accidentally simple. See, even though I ended up with all of this stuff through the years, I don't know how it happened, it just happened. Simplicity only comes to those who intentionally pursue it. Things only get cleaned up at our house if I go through the process of actually going through all of those things that have become clutter. You know, at the beginning of John's gospel, Jesus is a relatively unknown on the scene. Now, there are questions about him. People are talking about him. They're wondering about his birth, his teaching, and his power. But the biggest name in the religious circles, it wasn't Jesus, but it was John. John the washing man, that locust-eating, beard-growing, fearless preacher who lived out in the wilderness and loved just to go around quoting ancient texts from centuries earlier. One day, John was at the Jordan River, and he was teaching, and he was baptizing, when, when suddenly he stops what he is doing, and in a very simple but profound way, he says, hey, look, it's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Definitely. Definitely making an impact on those who are around him. His disciples wondered exactly what it was that he was talking about. And so the next day, the same thing happened. John was again standing with two of his disciples. Jesus walked by. John looked and declared, look, there he is, the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And then Jesus looked around and he asked, what do you want? I love this scene, right? It's like Jesus is walking, and then here are these two guys who decide, hey, let's go see what this Lamb of God thing's all about. And, and then they start stalking Jesus. And, and they just start following him to the point where Jesus has stopped to have a conversation perhaps with someone there in town. And he turns and he looks and he's like, uh, guys, can I, can I help you? Can I do something for you? And their response, it really sounds weird. When we first read it, it doesn't really make sense. Maybe they didn't expect to be found out by Jesus. Maybe they didn't think that he would actually talk to them and ask them a question. Maybe they were starstruck and one looked at the other and was like, well, you say something. And so they said this, Rabbi, where are you staying? That's what they said. What's your address? They said, we're, we're, we're just wondering what neighborhood you're camping in, Jesus. And we see that. It's like, couldn't you have come up with something better? Couldn't you have come up with, oh, precious Lamb of God? Couldn't they have sang him a song? Couldn't they have done something but just ask where he's hanging out? And yet, I think when we look at this, there's something deeper here. Because Jesus would use the same form or a, a similar form of the same word, staying, later on in one of his teachings. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, that's what the men were asking Jesus. They said, where are you abiding? Where are you remaining? 
Where are you dwelling? Where are you going to be? Because wherever you're going to be, that's where we're going to be. That's where we want to spend time. We want to go with you and remain with you and abide with you. And these guys are actually giving us a simple key as to how we can get rid of some of the complexity and all that complicated matters in our life. The key to simplicity is learning to abide with Jesus. We look around and our lives are filled with so many demands and there's so many expectations and so many problems and we don't know where to focus and we don't know how or where or when to start simplifying and Jesus comes at us like a North Star and he says simply, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And those who remain in me and I in them, they will produce much fruit. And tell me, those of you that have been adults a while, Miss Mildred can probably vouch for this. When you're thinking about what do I want as an adult, isn't it rest and reward? Right? I talk to adults and I'm like, hey man, what are you going to do this summer? It's like, I'd love to rest. I'd love just to relax. I'd love just to be able to take a day off. I'd love just to be able to take it easy. You, you, you ask someone who's just graduated from high school, just graduated from college, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And they talk about, I want to make an impact. I want to be able to put an imprint there. And Jesus says, hey, look, for all of you adults out there, if you want to rest, and if you want to have a life that is rewarding, then why don't you come stay with me? Remain. Abide. Abiding begins with a glimpse of Jesus. These early disciples, they didn't know the ins and outs about Jesus. They had a vague idea maybe about who he was. But their understanding of the Messiah was that someone that was going to come, he was probably going to be a political leader and some type of maybe a general charismatic in fashion. He was going to be a revolutionary who would help to return to to those Jews all of the times of King David. The Romans would be pushed out and the days of King David's throne would be back again. And maybe this could be the guy. And maybe that's why they followed him. Maybe once they gained that picture of him, they said, you know what? Let's just see where he goes. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, what do you want? And they're like, ah, truth is we don't really know. But where are you going? And we'll go wherever you're at. Because you're different and you're unique. And wherever you're going is where we want to be. You know, we catch a glimpse of Jesus. And maybe we've got some theological background or maybe we know a few more answers than these guys did or maybe we're just hearing about him for the first time. Regardless, abiding with Jesus begins not with learning about him but just the first encounter that we have with him. And here's something for you adults who have been followers of Jesus for some time need to remember. You might be the first glimpse of Jesus other people see. The first time they see Jesus is they see you. They see in the way that you're raising your family. They they see you in the way that you're loving your neighbor. They see you in the stand that you take against injustice and unrighteousness. And they say, maybe I want to abide with this guy as well. The thing is, though, we don't have to just sit around and wait for it to happen. These early disciples didn't. Because abiding is an intentional choice. It's an intentional choice to go and, and to be where Jesus is at. You know, summer is just around the corner next week. A lot of people I know you're going to be traveling, going to be inviting people perhaps out to the lake to, to hang out with you. 
The clouds are going to be minimal. The wind is going to be even less. Maybe you're going to get in the boat. You're going to cruise. You're going to paddle to your favorite location. And then for the next hour or so, you're just going to sit there and you're going to fish. You're going to practice your cannonballs off the side. You're going to pick up your brother or sister when they're not looking and throw them in. You know, these things that you do to have fun with your family on the water. And then you're inevitably going to have to restart the boat. You're going to have to adjust where it is you're located because you realize that the position that you had in the water has changed. And why is that? Well, those of you that enjoy being out in the water, you understand there is, there is a current that runs deep that maybe you can't see on the top, but it is so powerful and so forceful that unless you do something to position yourself against that current, it's just going to carry you on with it. And because that current is constant, you're always moving. And unless you choose to do something different, you're just going to continue to drift. And the same thing happens in our life. It's true. Drifting is bound to happen without any kind of intentionality. Maybe you decide that this year you're going to cut down on your spending. And all of a sudden, we're halfway through the year. And you're looking at your budget. And you're like, wow, how did this happen? You didn't intend to get things out of whack. But you began to drift. You said you're going to eat less sugar. You're going to exercise more. And how has that gone for you? You've drifted. You intended to read more, watch less TV, stay online less. But unless you have taken active measures to do so, you drift. And when you do nothing, you just keep going with whatever the current of the day actually is. And it doesn't matter all of your good intentions. It doesn't matter your grandiose claims and your resolute statements. You are always going to drift. And here's something that we need to understand. No one drifts towards Jesus. Do you understand that? No one ever did nothing and woke up closer to Jesus the next day. And when I can't believe it, I did nothing. And now I'm closer to God. We drift away from him, not towards him. And if you want to move toward Jesus, it's going to take an active stance against the current that's always moving you further and further out. That's why the Hebrews writer says, you know what? You need to pay careful, careful attention. You need to pay careful attention to what you have heard so that you will not drift away. It's always going to be away from Jesus. And not toward him. You see, his life becomes more and more complex. We have to make an intentional choice about where we want to focus ourselves. Because if we do nothing, our natural course is to drift further away from God. And we're not just going to stumble into abiding. We've got to make the intentional choice to meet Jesus where he is. You see, that's why we encourage you guys. We say, read scripture. Get into the word. It's why we... We say, you know what? Let's be listening to music that has a spiritual focus. That's why we encourage you to download religious podcasts. It's why we, we beg you to pray. We talk to you about fasting. We encourage you to join us for our weekly communion. We, we ask you to come and submit to Christ and be baptized. All of these things help to keep us centered on Jesus. Without it, we drift. You know, back in John's gospel, there's... There's one other detail that kind of lets us know what the experience of abiding is like. John records that once the conversation begins with the disciples and Jesus, they decide to go with him where it is that he's staying. And so they went with him. And John says they, they spent the whole day. 
They spent the whole day. Think about that simplicity. Think about that kind of focus. Think about that child-likeness. Rather than checking the messages on their iPhones or worrying about when this sermon is about to end, these men were lost in the power of a new affection. Suddenly they were like children. In all other aspects of life, all of those things that were crowding in that seemed so important, all of a sudden didn't really mean that much when they were there in the presence of Jesus. And after their time with him was over, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. We're told there in the text that the first thing Andrew did, the first thing Andrew did after he went, wow, can you believe we spent all day with Jesus? The first thing they did after he realized how time had gone, first thing that he did after he realized that he had forgotten everything else that he had planned on doing the day before, the first thing he did was to go and find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Guys, you can't take someone where you've never been. It's impossible. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus because he knew where Jesus was staying and where Jesus was abiding is where Andrew wanted to abide as well. So let me ask you, in all of your complexities of life, And with all of the challenges that you have, with all the responsibilities that you deal with, with all of those things that demand your focus, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Are you abiding with Jesus? If you are, then you are able to have a relaxation and you're able to have a reward that others only dream of. I don't know, maybe that's where you used to live. But over time, you've drifted. It wasn't intentional. You didn't just wake up and say, hey, I think I'm going to move farther away from God this week. I think my family is going to be farther away from God at the end of this year than we were last. That's not how it works. But you got caught in the current and all of the adult responsibilities have just kind of overwhelmed you. And you've just allowed yourself to drift further and further and And further away. So can I ask you to to be intentional this morning? Can I ask you to intentionally seek out the simplicity of Jesus? We're going to sing to encourage one another. And maybe the best thing you could do today is to lay down all of your adultness. And with a childlike faith, come home to him. Why don't you stand as we sing?